Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to explore all of our previous episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast using whatever your favourite app or service is by visiting anchor.fm forward slash irish-tech-news. Hi, uh, today on the Irish Tech News podcast, uh, we have somebody from a, a company that's doing some innovative things uh, in Ireland. So we thought it'd be good to have them on, have a chat and learn more about what they're doing. So uh, first of all, who do we have the pleasure of speaking to today? Uh, this is Dara Kyo. And um, what, okay, so I guess for those who don't know much about you, uh, how would you describe uh, what it is that you do? And then is it a logical progression to what you do now? That's a really interesting question, Simon, and it's a it's very philosophical in some sense. Who am I, and what do I want to be, and where am I going? Um, I suppose what what in terms of my you know sort of life values, the life values would be to uh, work towards um, you know not being a nuisance to society at, at at the very worst, and hopefully contributing positively at the very best. And uh, in in my current role, I think I have a, a great opportunity to contribute more positively than most. Uh, and that what we what we produce is something that is uh, used as a data. It's a data set essentially with, with a whole lot of programs running on the front of it. But essentially, it allows people to and organisations to find each other very quickly at a very low cost and get what you want. Uh huh. Okay. So, um, what's the name of your company and when was it founded? And uh, I guess w- w- what was the thinking behind creating the company? Okay, so the uh, thinking behind sort of the name of the company, first of all, is GeoDirectory. Uh, the company was set up by Onpost, the Irish Post Office, and Ordnance Survey Ireland, the National Mapping Agency, over 20 years ago. The thinking behind it, it sounds very strange now, particularly in, in one side of it, but I'll go through it. So basically, you had two separate organizations, and they both needed the same thing for very different reasons. So they came together to, to, to grow it. And that became GeoDirectory. So uh, on post, the, the National uh, Post Office, what they needed to do was move from a manual sorting process to an automated sorting process. And to do that, they need a database of addresses. So th- that's fairly simple and clear to get. On the opposite side, you had Ordnance Survey Ireland. And this may seem very strange now when I say this. Uh, and you'll, I'll explain why in a second, and you'll get it why in a second. Um, Ordnance Survey Ireland, the National Mapping Agency, they were looking to... Uh, help develop uh, an understanding of the importance of location and intelligence around location and what that means and to do that what they recognized was that uh, a people had difficulty with understanding reading maps and interpreting them but b they all knew their address so if they had a way of giving them a hook into mapping it would uh, get them to grow their understanding and develop a greater relationship with locational intelligence so this predates Google Maps, Apple Maps, uh, Bing Maps, all the maps uh, that we all have now, sort of on our on our phones. Um, OpenStreetMap, all of those, all of those services, uh, Mapbox. There's loads of them out there, and so at that at this stage, nobody was using mappings except maybe in a very uh, technical geographical sense, or if you were a planner, uh, but not in uh, not using location intelligence in a normal management sense. Now, to this day, probably that still isn't happening to a widespread extent, but it's certainly becoming more and more uh, popular, particularly with the advent of things like big data and linked data and all that kind of data stuff, because it is 
uh, all you really need for all that to work really well is one piece of data that you can trust and the providence is known and there you can build out from that and that's what we currently do mm -hmm. so i mean uh, as you mentioned um in many ways this was conceived uh long before the degree of you know gps on devices and internet of things and intelligent devices so therefore with with the evolution of all those other bits uh, bits in the puzzle um does that mean that you are now able to do things that before you weren't able to do and and therefore what kind of um you know over the top uh, additional uh, b benefits does that enable you to do and deliver in terms of your services well i suppose um the f the first thing here is is a conceptual thing is that that that, that accepting that everything happens in a place and therefore, if you know something, if you know where the place is and you can know something about the place, you can predict what's going to happen in the place or have a greater understanding of what's likely to happen in the, in the place. And and that seems um, very strange in some ways. But, you know, we, we tend to, you know, uh, know the person in work that we sit closest to, uh, know the person in college and school that we sat beside. And, and so that that whole thing of geography is is essentially part of who we are and who we associate and who, who we can become or the opportunities that we find and that's really all this is about it's about understanding what's going on now as the level of information one of the challenges will be particularly with the advent of 5g with 5g and you, you talked about internet of things there iot um what you're going to have is an enormous flow of information that has never existed before so they estimate that in a sort of a one square kilometer radius, you could have a million connected devices. That's like incredible level of information flown. And, and they'll be telling each other where they are and what's going on and et cetera at a metadata level, which, which when you know how to use it and collate it and gather it and, uh, and you know, extract value from it, 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 it is very, very valuable. But you don't have to wait until then. There's already information flowing and available. And, you know, it's how you use that to understand what's it's how you interpret, understand, and extract value for, for, for each organization it has its own set of values and its own targets and needs. And uh, whether they are NGOs, government, or private, they all have a need to understand what's happening to their customer base. Uh, and their, 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 and where it's happening. So they can individualize those services to get the best value for those customers. It's, it, you know, we're moving into, I suppose, hyper customization and, uh, you know, trying to go back to that old marketing phrase of delight the customer, wow the customer. And, mm -hmm. you know, part of that is understanding what the customer wants without being, you know, looking over their shoulder all the time or feeling like it's a bit creepy or a bit sneaky um it's still it's still great when we have a um, great customer experience and location intelligence is very much part of that journey mm -hmm. yeah definitely and and that makes sense and as you say so so that so then there are two elements to that and the first element then would be um in in what way uh are there any kind of services or insights or or, or wow elements that I guess, are there unexpected um, offerings that you've been able to develop to, 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 to deliver that wow aspect? Uh, I guess what surprises, uh, and so, what surprises ha ha has this enabled you to offer people as a service? Yeah, I suppose, I suppose it's, it's, you start off on a journey and you don't always know where, where you're going to end, Simon. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that's always been the case when you engage with your, your, your customers, uh, particularly in this space, uh, excuse the pun there, 
where you're exploring new ways and new frontiers all the time. So where, where we have, for example, uh, and these are very ordinary examples that are everybody would be able to relate to, I hope. Um, so we've engaged, say, with um, a local authority, for example, to help them with their CRM, CRM data capture piece um, so that they have a consistent database which they can then, you know, use to interrogate and, you know, deliver services on. Um, you know, they also started to use it to identify where trees were so they could use it to ensure that the tree maintenance was much more efficient. So people mm -hmm. didn't have uprooted paths and overhanging trees and roads um, or um, a simple thing, um, but yet very important when it's missing, the location of on-street bins. So yeah. we could identify for them where, for example, fast food outlets were. And that they knew for, by fast food outlets, there's going to be, you know, people are going to buy and leave. They're not all going to, many of the places don't have indoor dining or seating areas. And even if they do, they're limited. And people frequently leave at the food anyway and walk home, particularly after a night in the pub, which hopefully we'll be all getting back to soon. Um, mm -hmm. And so they have they have wrappers and stuff to throw away. So they're able to, you know, use the, or use our data, use our, in conjunction with ourselves, use our data to identify ideal places for uh, simple things like bins to keep the environment clean. So they are very sort of very, you know, sort of in some ways mundane, basic. But if you think about the detail that needs to go into understanding the flow of people and the services that are available to be able to match expected demand with current with the need. In a more dramatic way, I suppose, it's ambulance services. We have we work with the ambulance services. And with the ambulance services, it went from a number of different phases, from, from call-out, which is obviously essential and critical for, for anybody who's fortunate enough to require an ambulance in, in an emergency, to um, anticipation. So uh, and, and a step in between that was to look at where accidents, particularly road accidents, are most frequently happening and to use the data to input into redesign of road networks, okay? Mm -hmm. To say, look, that was, you know, a common phrase that we use was a black spot, an, an accident spot. But how many accidents and how close together were you and frequently were and all that kind of stuff. It's all that kind of data that makes the decision to re-engineer compelling. And then you move to the next phase of that with that development, which was, okay, where is the next level of demand going to come? And how can we shorten the call out time, which led to ambulances being parked on streets because the, the likelihood of an accident happening here was much higher than back at base. So better to have the ambulance sitting outside waiting to go mm -hmm. uh, in case there's an accident. OK, so that, that sort of moving from, uh, you know, and it's still very important to be able to have that reactive sense to a re-engineering to a predictive. So a very, very nice, I think it's a very nice example of how organizations can use data to, to, to solve one problem and in doing so, solve many others. Yeah, look, I mean, it's cool. And that, that's why I asked you, because I figured that it's the kind of thing where because it's, hard, it's, it's the basis of what you do, equally, like you say, with the, uh, with the trees and the ambulances, uh, you start to do smart things because you can it's that thing you can you can leverage insights that you wouldn't realize but once you have a large amount of data you can do it um at this, so so that, that's all really positive uh you also mentioned at the same time of uh aiming to delight but not being on the creepy side and therefore um with with with, with you know with aspects of you know uh, facebook harvesting data and cambridge analytica um 
what what are your strategies and your guardrails to ensure that you know the data is because because as as you mentioned you know we could reach the point where there are many 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 uh, devices tracking and monitoring and interacting. So, you know, um, in, in some places, you know, obviously, say in China, in some areas, it's been used in, you know, more uh, uh, subversive ways. So, so how do you, how do you, how, how do you walk that one forwards to ensure that you have, I'm not even sure if you'd call it like a ethical data policy, but, but something like that. How, how do you uh, ensure that it's used in, 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 in the best unappropriate ways? Well, I think, um, Simon, we're kind of lucky uh, in, in this regard in Europe in that we have um, strong central policies to give us clear guidelines, um, mm -hmm. and those guidelines are becoming clearer. Uh, and so uh, GDPR is it's a cornerstone of data protection for you and I as citizens, and it makes it much clearer for businesses to know what they can, should, and must do. Uh, so I think... Within that context, it, it's it's if you if you operate at an aggregate data level or anonymized data level, you particularly aggregated, you are you 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 don't have information on the individual, but you have a much clearer sense of what's going on at a at a, at a group level. You know, so I think um, I think that's that's the, well GDPR. There's also um, you know the things around there's, there's legislation coming out from the EU on AI, which is a which is groundbreaking um, and and uh, will obviously feed into all, all of this, 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 this process of decision making, and the use of data, and the understanding of you know what's what's happening. So I think that yes, I think also organisations have to have a sense of um, you know if, if organisations sorry if organisations are moving towards a point where you know the customer is they out to wow or delight the customer, well then the customer's needs have to be at the heart of what you do. And if the customer's needs are at the heart of what you do, it, it should stop you going down that road of becoming, you know, too invasive. Um, mm -hmm. It's a tricky one. There is a balance. You're going to get it wrong. You're going to get it right. Um, and, and, and uh, you know, the cost of getting it wrong is very high. You could damage your brand, lose your customers, lose that key word in business, trust. And with that, down goes your, 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 your sales, your profitability. And uh, put your whole uh, business model in, in in sort of a more in a more risky position. Now, you know, I, you know, why why didn't I suppose the if that's all if that's all true? Why what's happened? Why has Facebook gone from strength to strength? Well, they're at a certain size or internationally to be able to do that, and they can move mar uh, market to market. Uh, but you know, over time, that's not you know that that situation for most brands of being under that kind of level of attack attack or scrutiny isn't isn't acceptable. Is isn't isn't what society wants them to do, and isn't what they want to do themselves. So I think there's a coalition of um, of needs or drivers that do, and and also structures in place that also help to protect the individual from that. You know, uh, very maybe feeling very in, intrusive that you have, particularly with GDPR, much more control over your data, and uh, companies are very conscious of that. And we as a company in that space are extremely conscious of it, ensuring that you and I, Simon, are protected uh, and the companies that we, we work with would operate at a similar level of, of policy making. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and like you say, it's it, it's uh, like enlightened self-interest. It, it's smart to do it for for a whole host of reasons. And, you know, and, and I, I wouldn't I don't think Facebook are necessarily untouchable either. I think, you know, there's still, you know, there may be EU legislation again around things so I, I don't think anyone's too big not to be uh, uh accountable so yeah i think oh, that's no, a good answer yeah 
Yeah, no, I think I completely agree. I mean, I'm just using put out Facebook there. I'm just using Facebook as an example. There's other, there are very, there's loads of other major companies, and there's been loads of data breaches on different levels for different companies, but accidentally and, yeah, mostly accidentally. Um, but um, yeah, you know, they're the biggest one, and they're most frequently in the news. That's what I'm using them as a, as an example for Facebook as an example, and um, I'm sure their policies will change and and develop over time as well, and we'll, we'll see what happens in that space. Okay, so Dara, you, you mentioned AI, so uh, maybe just explain a bit more about your thoughts on AI and usage of it. Um, yeah, well, AI is obviously the sort of uh, one of the buzz, the buzzwords uh, around at the moment, and uh, it's certainly um, on a huge trajectory pattern of growth. Um, I think, to be honest, if if we're really honest, with a lot of AI is machine learning. Um, it's not quite. We haven't got. We haven't passed all the Turing's tests for AI mm -hmm. yet, or anywhere yeah. near them, if we're honest. So. Um, I think we're, um, we're we're looking at this in in a slightly the lens is slightly blurred and that you know we, it's like we we it, you know we have a new tool and it's a hammer and everything we're seeing we're trying to turn into nails uh, so we can use that hammer so I think we have to be selective in how we use it I think we have to look at it's not the panacea for all of the problems with IT or all the problems that occur in in, in trying to manage data harvest data and understand it. Um, and customer interactions as well, but I, you know, it has a huge place in 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 going forward. But it also needs to be used carefully in conjunction with everything else in in an organisation and what and, and its touch points. It, it definitely not going away, um, but it's not going to be the, the the single silver bullet that's going to solve everybody's problems. Yeah, look, I mean, and and I guess uh, you know that's the thing, like with Elon Musk and Bill Gates and people talking about it that. Uh, it has to be used appropriately and as Google are finding with the uh, algorithms that are very good for white males and less so for people that might be female. Uh, so like you say, it, I think we still have to evolve that one really, don't we? Yeah, you see, you know, we all, I mean, the reality is that this is built by humans. Humans, whether we like it or not, or, you know, face up to it or not, or have inbuilt biases, they're, they're, you know, it's very hard to exclude them from happening. They're not, they're not deliberate and they're not necessarily malicious. They just, you know, we all use heuristic thinking to make that shortcut and make things happen. And like, you, you can't stop being who you are either. And, and ultimately there's a programmer doing this and he or she can't stop being who they are. And the people who are judging it can't stop who they're being. So, you know, it is, there is a bias around these things. It, it yes, it's very fast. Yes, that's fantastic, and yes, it has its place, uh, and it has to be used in a sensible way. It's not, and again, it's not the silver bullet that's going to solve all IT problems either, or all customer interaction problems. Here's the here's the funny thing. Um, I think if most people were to ask about or to think about now a, a great customer experience, they wouldn't think about an interaction interaction with a computer. They think about an interaction with a person. Uh, from a company that contacted them and went out of their way to help them. And there's there's no way IT can replace that. Maybe it, it even shouldn't try. Um, it can it can complement it and supplement it, but I don't think it can it can replace it. We 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 seem to like that, like everything else, we like those stories. We're storytellers at our heart and we like to tell stories of great experiences, but we also like to tell them of terrible experiences. And um, you know, AI has its place in that in that in that process. But I think to see it as being replacing everything that we do, I don't think is realistic. Mm -hmm. Yep. So yeah, definitely. So look, um, uh, with 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 the, with the year and a half that we've had, 
Um, uh, in some ways, it's been quite interesting too, as well as obviously very challenging. So for you guys, has it did it alter, nudge or change uh, any of the ways in which you operate? Uh, so uh, how has it been for you? Well, yeah, absolutely changed the way we operate. Um, uh, it's been um, it's been uh, exciting. It's been uh, you know uh, tense. There's been tensions. There's been you know uh, there's been you know uh, stress. I mean, all of those things that the people, everybody's experienced. What 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 we found was we 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 had um, I don't want to call it luck, but we we had we had been preparing. Uh, and tested a disaster recovery plan where everybody had to leave the office and work from home. Okay. Prior, prior, prior to COVID. So we had, when we had to leave the office in, like everybody, most everybody else in mid March, roughly mid March, uh, we had already tested, road tested, and changed and upgraded our plan for everybody working from home. And so the the change from being in the office and being at home was very quick and relatively smooth. Okay. Um, the psychological, the, the the physical change was, and and the the connectivity was very quick. All right, the psychological change took a bit longer, uh, and um, uh, there was a lot of work had to be done around uh, helping people to adapt to working from home because not every not everybody's home is it's set up to to work from home, and not everybody was you know ready sort of sort of psychologically to work from home. So we we what we did there to sort of uh, keep that keep that going was and we also we also everybody found this as well i'm sure you move from a more informal collaborative setting to a much more formal setting to be able to you know to talk to somebody you have to set up a meet um whereas before you could just re reach you know call across the, the desk beside you so we we what we did to that in that space was we set up um <clears throat> we set up uh you know three weekly meetings team meetings a week <laughs> the, to a large extent was just to ensure that people talked and chatted, okay, rather than the work of work was, you know, done as well. But the primary purpose was it to, was to keep people in con connection with other people because some people were living on their own, very isolated and very isolating. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, the, so that was the first thing we did. Um, second thing we did was obviously we we at the same time as doing that we uh, we had our all our responses ready. Um, Greater responses to customers, ensure, ensuring that we were still open, uh, here to serve them, here to be you know, available to, to work with them, um, and to encourage them, you know, to to reach out to us if they've any problems with any of our services or anything like that. Um, we did, we did actually, we did direct mailings to our customers as well, where we knew where they were, sending them out guidelines on on health, uh, mental health issues, you know, you know, physical, mental health, sort of personal health issues. Um, we uh, encouraged them to go for walks and stuff like that. Within the team then ourselves, we took on those, I'm sure all of us done as well, those walking challenges where we get people out, making sure people were exercising, taking breaks, all that kind of stuff. Um, we also did, uh, we moved, uh, so we then, we as time progressed, we moved from our sort of three meetings, meetings a week of team meetings just to two, which was a sign of people adapting and being able to work in the new environment. And we then introduced a policy whereby uh, each person of the team would chair the meetings, the team meetings each week. So everybody got a turn at chairing the meeting so they could bring their their, their thing that most interests them. They could also get experience of chairing a meeting, running a meeting and all that, that kind of experience. So it gave people new experiences, coordinating, running, managing. 
Um, we then introduced a policy that everybody had to um, take two hours out of their working week to do something with nothing to do at work. Okay, they could develop a skill, they could do anything they wanted, but they c couldn't relate to work of any type. Okay, other than you know they could learn to. Some people wanted to learn to drive, other people wanted to learn to swim, other people wanted to take up photography, all those kind of interests is what we encourage people to, you know, to develop the person as well, um, as well as 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 anything else, because it's really important when, in a, particularly in a period where you're feeling isolated, that you, you sort of continue to your growth uh, and your de development. And then we've also brought in a, a life coach to help people as well, uh, to give them an hour a week if they needed to talk to a life coach and develop a plan. Uh, for themselves, both their career plan and uh, if they want a personal plan. So we we've been able to we've also we've also had you know the drinks nights, the uh, end of month, the end of quarter, that that kind of activity as well. So we've adapted as best we could. It's not perfect, I'm sure. There's plenty more we could do, uh, but we've tried to encourage people to keep themselves healthy, fit, well, and also to always be looking. For a little bit towards the future because you can sometimes become too narrow in your lens and 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 focus on the crisis that, that that everybody was feeling in if not in their professional life certainly in their personal lives as they couldn't get to see family members etc um and so to try to try to keep that lens as wide as we could to help people focus on the positive as i used to say if you look out and you don't see the nettles just see the flowers mm -hmm. oh yeah definitely yeah yeah and um i think that is a good way to handle it um so um, as as we move to a more or less post lockdown scenario, uh, certainly in Ireland, um, I guess what 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 elements will you retain going forwards? And then if 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 things go well, what what does good look like for you guys in the next one to three years? Yeah, well, um, first of all, I think um, I think it's likely that most people will continue to work from home. Uh, it's very little at least part of the week going forward Simon as 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 we come out of this hopefully well sometime you know August September time it looks like now um I, and uh I think that we have to get that balance uh, right and that's, I think it's going to take a little bit of time um what we were really look, lucky Simon was we were able to develop a whole series of new products and services during lockdown so while our customer interaction was less than it normally be we used that time to create a huge energy around innovation and and we've delivered a series of new products and services to the market and we continue to do that uh, over the next three months and so we've been really lucky that the team was able to redirect his energies into that innovation process and and with, with our partner companies to deliver you know great great new services and so and more coming and so what we see for the future in the next in the next uh, one to three years we see a continuation of that program because and an extension of that program. When we we've redirected the organisation away from a one direction into a into a, into a new direction, uh, with a greater focus on the, the the mathematical side of the business, really the analytical side and the database management side, which which we found our customers uh, really uh, really wanted us to do, and that's what we've 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 engaged with to to take in all those multiple data sets that we we're talking about earlier. All that multiple data, you know, one big question is how do we use it. And how do we manage it? And how do we make it work for us? And so they're, they're the questions that we've been taking taken on to look at that data that's there, that's available, and how do we how do we create the value that our customer base needs and and bring extra value if we, wherever we can. So that's where our focus has been over uh, has moved into. 
um, and we're developing the skill sets and recruiting people in to do that and we're, we're actually expanding which is it's just good news and and so over, over that's what that's going to continue as one of the main drivers and the next piece is we're we're you know geodirectory is a company that's actually focused in ireland we do deal internationally with companies who are coming into ireland or operate uh, you know in, in ireland uh, but they're you know very large international companies and so our next phase of development is to, is to look to export our expertise and knowledge outside of ireland and to develop those services um, outside of ireland over the next one to three years so we're looking to become uh, an irish based company that will hopefully be an international success in the not too distant future mm -hmm. yeah look i mean and you know in in some ways ireland a bit like israel or finland or uh, other countries that do things well but are small uh very quickly uh, if you've got an excellent product then it makes sense to scale it up and scale it out because you know ireland itself is only a finite market um is are there any parts of the world you're looking to go into first is it other countries that are english language speaking first or how yeah. how, how, how do you hope to grow or where yeah so yeah so we, we would be english the, the easiest one for us to do is is um is english language um and uh, so that would so our nearest neighbor and dearest neighbor would be obviously the uk so that that's the the natural line the natural market for us to, for most irish companies to grow into to be honest um and then the next market the next market european market after that would be probably france and then africa okay so the african nations as well as is, is, is one we're looking at at the moment and uh, the develop if you like the developing world has um it's attracted a huge level of investment from um, China and Turkey and other country in other countries. So you know there's a lot happening in that in that in Africa that we think is very positive and we think we can help it. Mm -hmm. um, you, you you know I suppose what we haven't really said is GeoDirectory is as an address database. Okay, well and and sort of in 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 our world here today, you think an address oh it's not that exciting, but when you think about this, 80% of the world does not 80% of the people in the world don't have an address. Okay, so if you think there's an opportunity, there must be an opportunity for a company that is specialized in creating address databases that work all of the, you know work uh, continuously. And and GeoDirectory has a very unique product in that it's combined the um, the address structure with a, a location structure and put it in one place, one database uh, that's continuously updated. Um, to give a sense of the level of, just to give a sense of how how, how flexible. See, but people think of addresses. I think that a lot of the time they think of uh, it's, it's rigid and fixed and doesn't change. Um, and I just give an example of what I mean. So we have approximately rounded like 2.2 million addresses in Ireland in our data set. Okay, and annually we'll make approximately 500 to 600,000 changes on that data set. So the level of change is is enormous uh, and um, it's it, you just and that's and that's only one piece of our work so we can take that expertise to be able to keep something current active and valued uh into other countries and develop from there so um uh, as you were talking about that um it was it was making me kind of think about that uh with with the uk you have the postcode with the us you have the zip code and relatively yeah. recently in ireland we have the air code and and generally uh, what they would say about uh, certainly the postcode for london is is that once you have the the code uh, you really could make a real mess of the address above and it would still get to where you want it to go to so um i guess with ireland's relatively late introduction of this has that helped you guys and is that something that then 
as we see rolled out in in say in the African continent well is does that then provide a massive opportunity because you can then much more accurately ensure that things get to where they're supposed to um well it's, we, we we believe it does provide an opportunity yes uh, and um you know um the air code product is 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 relatively new in its in its in its life still uh, compared to what you like you mentioned there the uh, the royal mail uh, postcode i mean that's there near over 50 years so you know so it's early days for the air code and yet it's done it has had made uh, great inroads and that's all based on on our data geodirectory mm -hmm. is behind all of that okay so it's our data that drives um that that success and um, our our model and business models to manage, update, and progress it is what's driving it. Okay, so yes, we believe we can take that model and bring it to an international market and be successful. Um, the, the the like like you know the Royal Mail model, the, the U.S. model, there's the German, French, Italian. There's loads of different models, um, and they all have um, you know they they've all they're all successful in in different ways. And to different extents, um, the, the the advantage of what we do is it we build it at the micro level, so it's a very granular level, and then you can build it up to any level you want. So you can put any infrastructure over what we do to suit your own organization's needs. So we don't start with Ireland; we start with the apartment in a building, and then build it up. Okay, and that that approach is very different to everybody else, and because of that approach. It means that we're very detailed, very, as I said, very, we're granular, I'm using it loads, very detailed, very precise, and um, and very exacting in the data, which means it becomes very trusted. And that's very important in building out, this for decision makers and in building out really good decisions going forward. So we think, yes, there's, there's a place for us to grow the service and this model and to deliver, you know, benefit to to countries that don't yet have the um have this in place yeah look uh, definitely and i mean and and, and it, it makes sense that you can be that granular because obviously you know once we have the thing where you know you, you know you're, you're down to a, a gps then you know you can be pinning things to within a meter so it, it makes sense that you're almost the machine code on top of which uh, everything else gets built um dara it's been it's been a pleasure to talk to you so how can people find out more about you and the company yeah, so we're well. We we we're we're we're, uh, we're we have you know the website. We're on LinkedIn, GeoDirectory on LinkedIn, or I think it's I forgot the handle anyway. Put in GeoDirectory, you'll find us. Um, GeoDirectory on Facebook, and there's GeoDirectory on um, what's it called? Uh, Twitter. So there's Twitter, Facebook, and um, oh my God, I can't remember. Link Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. Plus, obviously, we have a website. Um, and um, I'm on also. You'll also find me on LinkedIn. I have a, a LinkedIn account there. If anybody wants to link to me, more delighted to talk and link with people and you know we're we're just to say that we produce uh, quite a lot of free stuff uh, for people to uh, understand what's going on in Ireland we produce a report on the residential property market and the commercial property market which is available free there in our uh, knowledge section on our website geodirectory.ie you'll find them there and uh, we'd encourage people to go explore if you want to see what we can do what it looks like and what data looks like on a map and how it can be used and uh, experience it really easily we have an app called geofind it it's geofind it it's available on android and apple stores and one nice feature that most people like is what I well I call anyway Simon the nosy neighbor feature which is that you can look at all the property sales that have happened in your area 
just hold up your camera, walk along a road, whether you know it or not, and we'll and it'll show you the, the, the properties that have sold and how much they sold for. <laughs> My wife would love that. <laughs> yes, exactly. And then you see what you can, you can do is you can search for facilities in the area. Where are the schools? Where are the shops? Where are the doctors? Where is the chemist? Where is, where is, where is? It's all in it. It's all free. And uh, if you want to see data in action with a map, go have a look at that. Awesome. Look, at, um, thank you very much, Dar. It's been great to talk to you. Thank you very much, Simon, for having me on your show. It's been brilliant to be here. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Irish underscore tech news. On Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Irish Tech News. On LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Irish dash tech dash news. On Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Irish Tech News dot IE. And on TikTok, tiktok.com forward slash at Irish Tech News.